What is up, everybody? Welcome in and happy holidays, first of all, and welcome into episode 53 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe, and an exciting show to bring you guys today is even though the Christmas season is upon us and Hanukkah and all the other holidays, racing does not stop. It never, it never sleeps. Not to mention we have the Fairgrounds card. We're coming today with eight total stakes races on the card. We are going to cover the all stakes late pick six for you guys here today and we are and tomorrow scrolling on the bottom of the screen you can see tomorrow the flagship show guys are covering the um all i think it might be all stakes if not four stakes on go at Gulfstream on saturday including the tropical park derby and oaks fantastic weekend of racing and we have a special episode next tuesday for the Day after Christmas, Santa Anita with the grade one Malibu card, one of the best cards all year long. One of the cards that all a bunch of us, especially West Coast bias, looks forward to every single year. But that's a fantastic card. You guys do not want to miss out on what's coming up on the HHH Racing Podcast. But real quick, guys, of course, we're going to go through the peripherals here. A lot of people are already watching, so we really, really appreciate you guys doing that again you can contact me through email bettingandboozing at gmail.com or uh comment in the live chat or dm me on twitter at ap roscoe k i will i look at everything over there and i will definitely get back to you um if you're more of an audio listener while you listen at the gym or anything uh, apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor is where you find all of our podcasts not only of betting and boozing but everything on the hhh racing podcast gets uploaded in audio form to those three platforms please go rate review and subscribe over there the power picks guys again super profitable throughout the entire year um we're over at, i believe two dollars and 20 cents now i believe we went up from last week it says 219 there but it is two dollars and 20 cents and it doesn't stop we got two more weeks i believe of power picks if i'm not mistaken there also is still time to sign up for the 2024 yearly power picks. You get a full month free if you sign up on the yearly subscription. So please go do that. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. We've been uh, profitable for almost two years now, and we don't have any signs of stopping. So please, again, Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. And if you want to know anything about us or want to look at previous editions of the power picks before you buy HHH Racing Podcast dot coms of course where you will find those but guys unfortunately due to christmas obligations west coast bias i aka noah maher will not be uh, with us tonight but we do have the og squad back together again and for one hopefully one final time if probably not the final time just all of us but um still og squad is here from east coast patrick Kunsel. From now the East Coast, Charlie Freeman. Boys, what's going on? Not the much. How are we doing? It's good to have the old crew back together. I can't think of the last time it's been just us three. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, you know, it's probably not the final time, but something along those lines. I switched up my outfit on you guys. I just realized we talked before the show. It's wearing something completely different to what I'm wearing now. But this is my new favorite sweater of um, for the Christmas season. There you go. <laughs> it's that's great i've got a, a fantastic off of amazon that i'm gonna wear to every single christmas party this year if you're a fan of christmas vacation you'll of course know what that means but i see a bunch of people in the chat guys i'm going to go through speed of the horse thanks so much for joining the show greatly appreciate it. he's putting in 
a race that we're not covering, but this Saturday, race three, number six, join the dance. This was Speed of the Horse is looking forward to. Good luck with that opinion. I appreciate you joining the show, Speed of the Horse. Colin Quinn, I don't think I've ever seen your name before, my friend. Thanks so much for joining the show. It could be, it could definitely be a Phil Bauer special. He ships really well the fairgrounds and the fact that he has a lot of good runners. Maybe some I'm interested in. So you'll have to look, uh, stay to the show. But thanks so much, Colin, for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Steven Vanderbrook is here. As always, smash that like button. Please smash that like button. It's the best way to support our channel, both liking and subscribing. Thanks so much, Stephen, for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Racing downwind says, nice hat, Kyle. I got to get festive for the holidays. Not only the stream uh, border can be festive for the holidays, I got to do it as well. Thanks so much for joining the show, David. Greatly appreciate it. Michael Austin is here, of course. Thanks so much, man, for joining the show. He did give did give out both 30 to 1 shots included in the pick five, but unfortunately, can never get over that hurdle. Uh, the last the butter bean also knocked me out. I'm sure you saw um on my Twitter as well. I gave out the pick five. The butter bean knocked me out as well. But again, Michael, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Daniel J is here. Thanks so much, man, for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Hello, BNB people. Hope all are having a good evening. Absolutely. And happy holidays again to everybody out there as this will be our final show before uh, Christmas. So Merry Christmas if you do celebrate. Happy holidays to those that don't. But guys, like I said, we're not going to waste too much time here. We got six really nice races to cover. All stakes races, all listed stakes for 100000 But there are some cut early Kentucky Derby points on the line here in the gun runner, which is race number 12 that we are covering covering but this sequence starts in race number seven guys so we're going to flip right there and i'm trying to flip over the screen right now so give me two seconds some reason equibase is not cooperating with me all right there we go so let me switch over right now race number seven is the latelier memorial stakes as i present the screen sorry guys got a lot of buttons going on here we go race number seven is latario memorial stakes for going six furlongs for two-year-old Phillies, the dirt sprint draws a field of eight. The morning light favorite is the number three, Helena's Forte, out of a really nice race for Martin Garcia and the Philip Bauer show, of course, as Colin Quinn. Oh, yeah, Colin, I do remember. Yeah, that's right. My fault. I appreciate it, man. I greatly appreciate you finally you joining in a show and uh, pointing in the chat. But I do remember meeting you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Colin, again, for joining. Greatly appreciate it. But yeah, Helena's Forte is your morning line favorite. Getting Lasix for the first time for Philip Bauer. Second choice will be Dubois Blanc for Florent Giroux, Brad Cox. Also getting Lasix for the first time. And your third choice is the Greg Foley trained twirl around. Guys, going to switch over the picks right now. And I believe two of us are going with the morning line favorite between me and Patrick, number three. But Charlie going a little bit off the radar here with the number five, as I mentioned, the third choice twirl around for Edgar Morales and Greg Foley. Charlie, you have first crack. What'd you like most about twirl around? You know, I was on Helena's forte the whole time. I was going through this about to send you my picks watching, you know, the replays. And I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit before that once you kind of get into watching replays, the one kind of downfall can be, uh, you know, you get hooked on a certain replay you see that just sticks in your head. And that's what happened to me. I, the three made the most sense on paper was going to stick with it. And then once I just rewatched twirl around again, that maiden uh, win at Churchill Downs. I just couldn't talk myself off the horse. Had Johnny V aboard. Obviously doesn't have Johnny V this time. But still, the way this horse just kicked away, you know, starting at the 12 gate in that race is certainly not easy to have to come all the way over from the outside. But just shot out of a cannon, immediately got over, 
dictated the pace and still did not go slow by any means. You know, 22 and 5, 46 and 1 was not going slow by any means, but was able to just completely dictate that race and then just flew away on hand. Uh, and I know there's a lot of speed in this race. I know there's a lot of other horses that are going to have a similar style. But, you know, I was looking for a race where I didn't have to pick the favorite. And again, as much as I do also like the three and think this could be a two-horse race, which I'll touch on later, I just twirl around. I couldn't get over this horse. I was really impressed. You just twirl around? Is that what you're you basically – you saw this horse? You yeah, just twirl? I guess that's what you could say I did. <laughs> Jesus. Patrick, you have this horse in third. I don't have this horse anywhere, and I'll give my reasons in a sec. Just um, – you know, Greg Foley coming shipping from over from Churchill, but there is one conniving factor, and it is what that race was supposed to be last time out. I'm sure you guys saw. Yeah, that and that, you know, I was going to – we were going to talk about that because obviously Churchill, you know, had the turf problems. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it obviously it shows that Foley wanted to put this horse on the turf. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that um, it's just a little interesting how that this horse does get on the dirt now and then does show up and – pops an 82 buyer and she's you know 30 more points i just don't know how good of a field that was and you know i i look at the alternate to the three um for phil bauer and you know this horse was impressive on debut at churchill in the beginning of november comes back three weeks later uh loses to almost had me who from what i recall is she's won her last two starts and both were in stakes company i believe that's correct one um, by seven links, might yeah, it, might yeah, very out. impressive horse. So I, I, I just think uh, Helena's forte for um, Phil Bauer is going to be ultra tough in this spot, especially because last out showed, um, you know, it was a weird race where you know she she split horses uh, in the stretch um, and looked like she was going to be the winner, mm-hmm. but then you, you almost had me. Just was really impressive. So uh, yeah, I, the three's going to be tough. There's there's a few reasons why I landed on Helena's forte in this race and. You know, there's a lot of horses. I'll just go through the field real quick. It's not that big. It's only eight horses. The one mixer, slow on the numbers, but has um, a closing style, which could be could be favorable in this race, which is why I have mixer in second. Can't resist it. Dead go. Yeah. Helena's forte, not a dead go. Um, showed the ability to rate last time. Be down to fool around. Great name. All go. From a five furlong horse for six six and a half, you expect to be quick out of the gate, twirl around, straight go out of that last race. The first race, Denver really got into stride. Last race, straight to the front. Brunch punch, straight to the front. Um, first race out was a little bit slow, but still was in that top flight. Second race out, found her early footing. Brunch punch should be a dead go. And Dubois Blanc, the other Cox, probably has a little bit more ability to rate than brunch punch does. But, I mean, just again, involved in fast paces, this horse is no slouch out of the gate either. And Leslie's foot for James Chapman, is a straight go as well. So you see all these horses that have this over 100 um, time early time form. And even though Helena's Forte is 96.59, that last race out was very indicative of me that this horse can sit. And judging by Philip Bauer seeing this field, I'm going to guess he's going to try and tell mm-hmm. Martin Garcia to sit maybe in that second flight and be able to come up late. Lost to a really good horse and you almost had me. And um, Helena's Forte, I mean, not really a much tougher trip, was a little bit in front of You Almost Had Me coming around the final, the first turn. Unfortunately, it's Churchill, so we can't show the replays, but um, was just in front, came through, split horses, and You Almost Had Me rode the rail the entire way just to get up and win it. I think a, a less of a half furlong for Helena's Forte um, and continuing to improve on that 85 buyer, maybe runs a high 80s in this race. I think that's easily good enough 
to win against the field, if not compete with other horses. But I think Helena's Forte is going to be my top pick and maybe one of my strongest picks of the entire day. But real quick, guys, Charlie, I'm going to let you touch on anything. You have about three and then six. Brunch Punch, who I also have in third, then we'll close out and then Patrick, you'll final say. But anything you want to touch on with Brunch Punch? Yeah, I mean, with Helena's Forte, I think you covered everything. The the obvious choice, two great figures in a row, certainly has worked well and could improve again. Again, honestly, it's just with the two to one. Again, when we get to our bets later, you'll see that I still trust this three horse to do something. But again, I just couldn't shake that replay. Uh, with Brunch Punch, I just threw the horse in third. I mean, look, James Graham's obviously a terrific jockey, and it's Brad Cox. Certainly, though, since Cox is more known, so I guess uh, Florent Giroux typically take his top horse. If you yeah. want to play jockey gymnastics, you can be worried. But I like the continuity. Obviously, this horse was terrible on debut despite being heavily bet down. But then with James Graham, he was able to find something. Do I think Brunch Punch realistically wins? No, but I think you could get certainly decent value. And I mean, with all these horses going and seemingly none of the ones that want to go showing any ability to actually hold on, I kind of, that's what I liked about the five and the six was they both shot to the front, but were able to widen their lead. So who knows? Maybe the six Brunch Punch can surprise. I think like you touched on, it's going to be a very hotly contested pace. Uh, my only knock on the three really was, as you touched on, even though the horse was a little off the pace, the three had every right to then go by and win and got yep. a clean trip and then did it anyway. So I don't really know. This almost could be a race where I don't know if I trust anyone to pass, but not because of certain races we've covered in the past where they're all terrible horses, but because every single one of these horses wants the lead. And so I feel like this is one of those races where it's chaos. And I like that you touched on the one that was going to be my uh, long. So I want to touch on, I think Jared love very Arlington legend yep. Derby legend with two fills is a great jockey. And as you touched on, not that fast, but you can see once the horse got a pace meltdown rather than a cold pace was a completely different horse. And you're going to get a hot pace. Like I know we talk about how sometimes it should be a hot pace. I just don't see a scenario where this race isn't a hot pace. And people yep. can hold me accountable for saying that. But I feel like well, it absolutely will happen. Uh, I, but yeah, and so not I to mention like there's a few things. Sorry, not sorry to cut you off, but no, there's good. a few things. Um, the inside has also been very, very good at fairgrounds on the dirt. Um, like over half the winners this meet have come on the inside and um, they've been a little bit, it's kind of been mixed dirt sprints. It's been pretty even throughout the entirety of the race. Again, shout out Ryan Pip, one of the best followers on Twitter. If you don't follow him, uh, he covers all these track profiles. So I use him a lot, but um, it's been very even throughout. Um, although fairgrounds has been kinder to closers in recent past. But I just think Kalinos Forte really sits the nice trip. Patrick, last touch on Dubois Blanc. You have in thir- uh, second. Anything you want to touch on her before we move on? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, um, looking at her form, she seems to run her race every other race. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I just find that, you know, I'm, we're getting her in that other race where she's run well. Um, so I, I threw her in there because I think, you know, she has so shown in some races she can rate, you know, the two that – the one she won second out, um, she came off from uh, at a second place. So I don't know. I think she might be interesting as well um, at a, at a pr- at a decent price for a cox horse. Yeah, the reason I didn't have her is because there there's a one con- continuing factor in the races that she runs well and doesn't run well. It's yeah, hot pace, you know, easy pace, hot pace, easy pace, hot pace. I saw the yeah. same thing. Yeah. I'm not sure it's going to be an easy pace by any means, but again, no. I think the one horse that might have a chance to sit a little bit more. Uh, would be the seven over the six, but I'm just not sure the seven is good enough. And we'll obviously bet down with Cox and Drew. I'm going three, one, six, Patrick's going three, seven, five, Charlie's going five, three, six guys switching over to race number eight here, which is the start of the late pick five. It's the Richard Sherman Memorial stakes. 
um, for $100,000 going five and a half on the turf. This draws a full field of 11 here. And as I switch over to the race, the morning line favorite is the number six private creed for Rosario and Asmussen. Second choice and third choice is shared between the number nine, Sasua Summer, and the number 10, Evan Singh. But let's see um, as we get to here. Charlie Charlie and I are both getting not getting too cute here. We know how much we, at least me and myself, we, I don't like dirt sprints. But Patrick actually included a different horse to us two going with the number four. The millionaire runner just might. But guys, switching over. Patrick, I'll let you go first this time here. We all have the number six on top. Private Creed, I'll let you talk about him first. What would you like most? Yeah, he, he's just very consistent. I mean, th this is, you know, you, you typically see uh, Steve Asmussen trained horse on the dirt, you know, going doing these sprints, but on a turf. I mean, this horse, uh, very, very um, consistent, like I said. And, you know, the, these last two races out and these uh, middle 90 buyers were uh, really impressive against some um, pretty tough horses. Um, and, you know, and the horses come from with, you know, it's, it's just a tactical horse. And I, I just think in this spot, um, a little, I, I don't want to call it a weaker field, but it's just not to the competition of what this horse has faced in the past. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, hasn't run on fairgrounds turf. So, you know, that could be a question. Uh, but you, you know, this is, um, this is a spot where I don't think we're going to get three to one. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of my thing. Um, I think just, I think private create is going to be easily in the best spot of this entire field. Again, another thing where you kind of want to be on toward, not really towards the inside, but you want to be a little bit off the pace, um, but not too far off the pace. Closers haven't done too well. This problem with these turf sprints based on track bias is, or track profile, I should say rather, is there hasn't been too many turf sprints. It's only been six. So, and it's been four win by the wire two by the closer, but the, the, uh, call length you want to be is pretty close. You want to make that move a little bit early. I just think Private Creed sits right off what's going to be a pretty hot pace and gets first run on a lot of the horses that are coming from farther back. Not to mention that 98-95 pretty close pairing at the top is nothing to hate on either. So I'm just hoping that Private Creed can set a nice inside trip around um, the bend. But Hopefully, uh, Charlie, I'll go to you next here. So you have Private Creed first. Anything more you want to touch on with him? And then number 10, Evan Singh, who I'm also interested in, who are all interested, and in. you both have in second, I have in third. Anything you want to touch on Private Creed before we move on? No, I think Patrick nailed it. I mean, the reality is, you know, certainly compared to some of the other horses in this field, is one of the younger horses, which I always like, just has been the definition of consistency. You know, obviously there was that one grade two race that was in start with the 46, but other than that, it's really just been – going in the low 80s and then recently just took another huge step up with that 98 and 95. So to me, it seems like Private Creed is a horse with a bunch of experience against tough fields, you know, ran in a grade one, ran in a few grade twos, as Patrick talked about. I don't think this field's necessarily super weak. I just think, as Patrick said, this horse has run against tougher horses, you know, beat Playlist, Sweet Cherry, Pie, two back. That, that Those are two very solid horses to defeat. I just think Private Creed got a great gate. Always consider a good trip, you know, whether it's just behind the leaders or a little farther back, depending on how hot the pace is. And I really just, as you touched on, I don't think you're getting three to one on this horse. I think you're getting closer to two to one, nine to five, because I think a lot of people, A, are going to see the same things we see, and B, be really interested in the huge jump up to the high 90s after being consistent in the 80s. I don't disagree with you by any means. And like I said, let's just hope we can get the trip we envision for Private Creed. 
again, Charlie, I'm gonna let you touch on first here. Evan Singh, Al Stahl, Corey Lannery. This is another horse that's just really has really has done really well at fairgrounds. Um, running a 96 last time in the sprint and last meet um, in the Cole Power, winning by three quarters of a length, two for two at fairgrounds. And the fact that this was going to come back second off a pretty decent break is what's got me a little bit interested. Yeah, and I mean, what you can see with Evan Singh is, look, this horse absolutely loves to close, which for me, I love. As you touched on, you and I aren't the biggest fans of these sprint races. For me, it's even more so because, again, as someone who prefers off-the-pace closers, sprints are not exactly what you want. However, what you have to give credit to Evan Singh for is normally I would see red flags with how far this horse likes to sit back. But because Evan Singh repeatedly likes to run in these five-and-a-half races – Seemingly, the jockeys have all, regardless of who's been aboard, have been able to navigate and figure out whether it's a hot or even a colder pace. You know, you see last time out of Keeneland, obviously got the hot pace and just missed. But then, as you touched on, you look three back to that race at the fairgrounds. It was a cold pace, and the horse still was able to close in. So, for me, I just like the success at fairgrounds that you touched on. And I also like the fact that even though this horse appears to be more of a closing type, has shown the ability to figure out how to close in a race this short and still be able to always be right there, whether it is a win or just miss. I think you can get solid value as well. I mean, to me, I'm guessing you're probably going to get four to five to one on this horse. Uh, and I'm guessing you kind of saw the same things as for why you liked Evan Singh. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't like these really, really deep closers, <laughs> but this consistent, no matter really, like you said, the pace, kind of structure this horse is always running late and can if this is a perfect horse for me if you want underneath horses in your exactas trifectas um anything like that i think evan singh is going to be that type of horse for sure so sua summer i'll touch on real quick is another horse that's going to sit kind of mid-flight bill mott's shipping this horse down to fairgrounds um not really the first ship like this for Sosua summer shipped down to Gulfstream last uh winter ran decently well off of um off of that ship and just has just been getting better this entire time um took a big took a step back at aqueduct but was just pretty wide or no cut the corner so kind of in the mid pack but just never really came running the horse got a little bit of a break now is coming back in about you know two and a half or two and a half months time i just liked a little bit of a break now coming back into an, a little bit of a de- of an easier spot um, out of New York, coming down to fairgrounds, see how this horse does against this type. Gets James Graham aboard, who's been very good at fairgrounds. So Susu Summers, who I was looking to, to kind of round out that exacta. But Patrick, you're the only one that has this horse finish up. Um, but, I mean, what is there's not too much to say about Just Might. Maybe, you know, the fact that she uh, he's tailed off a little bit. But Million Dollar Earner has earned over um, a fifth of that at fairgrounds alone. Yeah, I might be relegated by the boss for picking a seven-year-old. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, just my, you know, uh, I look at uh, the horse's fairgrounds record, and um, you know, this horse actually won this yeah. race uh, two years back in uh, December uh, of twenty-one, um, and uh, you know, has a hundred-three buyer speed figure. You know, so I'm hoping this horse tails back to one of its uh, older races, and I think the horse, you know, I'm not going to say the horse can't do it, but has slowly started to progress. In a bad direction, but I'm hoping gets that fairgrounds, um, you know, back to the fairgrounds type, and maybe can run big. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just the fact that it can just might run back to these types of races. Ran really good earlier in the year, has never really gotten to that point where um, he's been able to win again. His last win is still actually not even on the grass; it's on the dirt back um, in an off the turf race at Churchill and the Mighty Bow. But again. The classiest horse of this field by far, just banking on the fact that this that just might can run back. 
to his previous numbers, but Michelle Lovell has done a great job with Just Might. Of course, the only horse to earn near a million dollars in this race. Jaime Torres picks up the mount for the first time. Again, just hopefully another horse, but another horse that could benefit from being up. You know, there's not too many horses that are completely speedball dead sends in this type of race, which is a little bit out of the norm for five and a half furlong races. So Just Might could flash a little bit of... um Give you give you a little bit of flashbacks, per, I guess per se, um, to get and he will be a nice price in this field. So I'm going six nine ten. Patrick's going six ten four. Charlie's going six ten nine. Mm. Guys, switching over the picks right now. Race number nine, and you know I I'm going to, I'm the one that's a little bit out of the norm here, but I'm not going first. So one of you, so Patrick's going to be do the due diligence here, but. You guys are both going with the number six. And as I switch over the Equibase right now to the untappable stakes, you both are going with the number six. West Omaha, the morning line favorite for Joel Rosario and Brad Cox. Second choice is shared between the number one Alpine Princess, the other Brad Cox in this race, and Legadema for Martin Garcia and Philip Bauer. Another um, shout out to, to Colin with the Philip Bauer show, as he hopes it is today. But you guys are both going with the number six, West Omaha. Patrick, like I said, I'll go to you first here. I mean, de- definitely the probably the deserving favorite in a spot like this. Um, in a short field coming off a really nice maiden win. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes, you know, as you know, Kyle, I don't really like to, you know, bet on horses that jump at a tremendous amount uh, from their buyer speed figures from their first to second start. But in this spot, um, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how good of a race that was. Uh, last out to you know verify the 81 buyer but a couple horses came out of that race and won um i thought the gallop out um showed that she wants more um and you know cox's numbers um you know going from a sprint to a route are not too shabby and i think yep. it, this this horse is going to take another step forward with joelle aboard um you know it gets an outside draw but it, i think this horse could be tactical and um you know obviously being a a mile um, this, the six should sit a nice trip in a, uh, in a pretty, you know, small field, but a fun field. I think I don't disagree with you by any means. I completely agree. And the fact that, like you said, Brad Cox taking these sprinters to routers is very good. Let's just do it right now. So if I go here to, um, DF formulator again, not sponsored, but, um, I use only DF formula. I think it's the most, I think it's the best way to look at the races I'm going right now. You'll see 27% out of 433 runners. It's 61% in, excuse me, in the money, which last time I checked, it's not very bad by any means. So West Omaha, but that's the thing that I didn't like. And that's why I'm going with the number one Alpine Princess, which is kind of the other Cox horse, is even though these numbers are look really inconsistent, the Alcibiades was a massive step up for a horse like this. And to go against Candied, Vivi's Dream, and Alice Beach, just not really what this horse was one, um, not really meant for. I shouldn't say that, but I think just a little bit above her head. Comes back down to a non-winners of two lifetime, um, granted an off-the-turf race, but um, runs really well at a mile and a 16th and wins by two. Now coming back to that mile and 70-yard distance, but two turns – I think is going to be the experience that Alpine princess could really need to be able to beat horses that are, you know, a little, maybe a little bit more fresh and a little bit more, um, you know, have a little bit more upside than a number a horse like number one Alpine princess, but I think she's back in her realm. She's where she belongs, not necessarily with, 
you know, the big girls in the race, like the Alcibiades, but back into, you know, a listed stake or an allowance company field. Um, I just like Alpine Princess. And the like I said, the rail has been very, very good at fairgrounds um, for this entire meet. So I love that she's drawn the inside. I might like, I might've liked him more, even more if it was a bigger field, because I don't know if the rail is going to mean too, um, the draw is going to mean too much in a six horse field, but um, I'm just looking Alpine Princess to get the exact same trip that she got last time at Churchill um, going while the other two are going to be more favor are going to be favored going two turns for the first time. Um, we talk about that all the time. You know, they're running two turns for their first time. And in, I mean, you can say in stakes company, this is more like an allowance field, but um, t- two horses that are going to be first and second choice going two turns. So I'm looking to the number one Alpine Princess. Charlie, you have number six West Omaha as well in first and but the number five Legadema in second. Anything you want to touch on with West Omaha, but then uh, go into Legadema. Yeah, so no, I think you kind of covered everything I was going to say about the one, and I think Patrick really touched a lot on the six. I mean, with West Omaha, again, it was just I loved what I saw in the replay. I know it was a colder pace, but I think, honestly, West Omaha kind of just got the lead because no one really was able to go, and that's why you were able to see this horse just absolutely run away and win by as much uh, as West Omaha wanted to. And kind of like you touched on, I think that's why – um, you know, as you said, that the horse will probably want more distance. I, I think it will. Uh, Legadema is the one that I really wanted to put on top of my heart because if, I don't know if you guys remember, but we covered that card on Betten and Boozen, and that was the one with um, trying to think of the name of the horse. It was some horse that's always a money burner that had a lot uh, of experience, and somebody on our show put the horse on top, uh, but the horse lost. I can't think of the name of it right now. We could look at it later. Uh, anyway, I uh, I had given out. I had said that I didn't like any of the horses with experience, so I gave out uh, Legadema on debut. And uh, the horse ran out incredible. I mean, I don't think I had the horse on top, but I know I had the horse in my top three. Was very impressed. Watched the replay again and was still very impressed. I mean, this horse shot out of a cannon. You know, originally sat with the other rest of the horses and just led them. And then after that was just like, you know what, I'm good. I'm just going to run away from this field easy. So I would not be surprised at all if this five horse gets the job done. Um, But yeah, I think for me, it's between the five and the six. Very interesting races you touched on because they haven't had this experience yet going this far, whereas the one has gone a little bit farther. I think for me, it's a three-horse race. Uh, Again, I think West Omaha ultimately is the horse to beat, but I'm going to be rooting for the five. Don't, hey, look, you know, you get a better price there most likely. Um, But look, Philip Bauer, two Brad Coxes, those are most, those are going to be your three more, uh, your three post-time favorites. But number four, Fibber, Patrick, anything you want to touch on? This is a horse that's not too far off on the numbers-wise, just hasn't really been able to put it together the last two in the listed stakes. Now comes back to this same condition with uh, Brett Calhoun, but coming back to – or coming down to fairgrounds where uh, um, Brett Calhoun likes to run and Mitch Merle is definitely stationed um, all the winters. So what would you like most about Fibber? Yeah, I mean, you know, Fibber ran into uh, You Almost Had Me, who we talked about in a couple of races beforehand, um, you know, and just didn't seem to be best. But obviously, Brett Calhoun has something for this horse because breaks its maiden and then runs right into, um, you know, open company and then into stakes. So, you know, I think this horse can, can run well. Um, you know, I, I just – the problem is is I don't – I really don't know where this horse is going to sit in the race, if this horse yeah. is going to sit back and make a move because – there's more speed in uh, in the race than this horse would like to get to the lead. So it's going to be interesting tactics-wise. But I think this horse could run well on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's not too much of um, early pace, although 
she has dealt with a lot of really quick paces in her as in her time, obviously denoted by the red figures. But the two horses are to her outside who are going to be the more line favorites that are going to go out for the lead. Maybe she just sits too far back, but I agree with you that the tactics will be a little bit interesting here with Brett Calhoun's uh, runner Fibber. And, you know, where is she going to sit? Is she going to sit a little bit closer this time? Maybe if there's not too much of a hot pace and that type of stuff, and maybe she'll run better being a little bit closer, but that's obviously a tale to be told. Also a horse going two turns for the first time. I'm going one, five, six, Patrick's going six, five, four, Charlie's going six, five, one guys going to switch over to the 10th race. I assume. Yeah. The buddy Dilberto Memorial stakes. This is a mile and the 16th on the turf with the return of a Arlington legend, ladies and gentlemen. Number 12, two Emmys is your morning line favorite coming off the bench from last fairgrounds meet. Now into this fairgrounds meet, James Graham, Hugh Robertson, of course, trains the three to one morning line favorite. And the second choice is all shared between three horses. It's the number nine, Rising Empire, the number 10, Beatbox, and the number 11, the Ontario bred Harlan Estate for Declan Cannon. As I switch over the picks right now, let's see. As I switch over the picks, there we go. We are all over the place. And, you know, that's to be expected. This race is, I would probably say, is the toughest out of the entire For uh, sure. card, which obviously is reflected in our picks. But, Charlie, the Arlington Chalk Eater, time to go and talk about the legend that took down domestic spending in probably the slowest half mile in ever <laughs> any grade one ever recorded. What do you like most about two Emmys? I can't stand this horse. It broke my heart. I uh, yeah. actually, that's, I believe, I think I actually met Howard that day. Uh, first time I saw him at Arlington and uh, actually he was the one who had kind of shown me and convinced me and taught me how to do, you know, your pick fives, your pick fours, your pick sixes, et cetera. And I had a bunch of different, I think I had a pick four, a pick five and a pick three all going on with the last like being a single domestic spending. And I watched that race and exactly what you were saying happened. All I was thinking is if there's just an ounce of pace in this race, domestic spending wins effortlessly. And it was the most agonizing, slow, painful death of all my bets at once I've ever watched. No one moved. Everybody was crawling. It literally didn't look like the race was going to happen. And two Emmys still only was able to just edge out domestic spending, who was much the best, but got the worst pace scenario ever. But look, putting that personal agenda I have against this horse aside, looked like the horse was going to start to regress after having that 101 and 102. But then it started to find that groove again, you know, got down to an 80 where you're starting to wonder what's going on. But then, you know, switches trainers, gets that 99, 98, 100. James Graham has really gotten this horse going, was able to win going away. I understand again, it was a a lighter pace again, which seems to be when two Emmys does its best work is just getting to the front, slowing everyone down in a painful, slow death, and then winning, running away. But look, you got to respect the form. Uh, I don't really like to go speed horses in this race, but the horse is battle tested and a race that's this wide open, like you touched on where anyone could win. Ultimately, I just went for the horse that is the most battle tested and, you know, has shown the most to me in terms of who I could trust to at least be somewhere on. So that's how I landed on two Emmys on top. Yeah. And what I will say is, um, to your point about the trainer switch, it's not much of a trainer switch. Um, Hugh Robertson, McLean Robinson's Hugh Robertson's son. So, you know, just the fact that Hugh Robertson doesn't like to um, ship certain places or have his name, you know, so he takes, he lets his son take. So you see horse ran at AP. Uh, Hugh yeah, uh, McLean takes over, goes to yep. Kentucky. So it's just his son. But to the point, you know, he just does, maybe just doesn't run well in Kentucky. 
um, but then came back down to Hawthorne or came back to Hawthorne, ran well, came back to Fairgrounds, has run really well. You know, he's nine for 11 at Fairgrounds in the money, four for 11 on the win end. And there's not too many horses that want to go to the lead in a spot like this either. So two Emmys, if he's ready off the bench at seven years old, grandpa could do it again. I mean, you see, he backed, he, he backs down and James Graham knows this horse so well, and he knows his limitations pace wise. So he can tries to back down as much as he can, but two Emmys doesn't even need the lead. You know, it's the fact of the matter is these last two races at, uh, fairgrounds and Hawthorne, he didn't even need the lead. He's shown the ability to rate a little bit as well as, a, you know, as completely different from his, um, earlier races where he was kind of just a dead sense. So two Emmys is he can easily win. Don't get me wrong. Just because I don't have him in my top three doesn't mean he can't win. Of course he can. If he's ready off the bench, I just don't like this horse that, you know, he's going to have a wide post, which is not that good on going in fairgrounds where the rail has been very good. And just coming off that long layoff, he's done it before, but I'd be willing to take a shot against um, at what's probably going to be a pretty low price. Patrick, you're going with the number two here, which is a horse that Charlie has in third. I don't have anywhere. Love there's this just so many Love different. It. There's so many different ways you can go. Fair Dinkum, Joe Sharp, Bryant, BJ Hernandez. You know, a little bit slow numbers wise, but looks to be a nice improving five year old. Yeah, you know, I, I just look at the uh, you know the three turf races um, that the two has put in, and I could honestly draw a line between two of the three. I mean, you know, I. Um, if you look last out that in that replay at Churchill, uh, the horse got absolutely uh, destroyed at the out of the gate and stood no chance. And then you know uh, Kentucky Downs, you know the horse just didn't take to it. And then you know uh, on debut on the turf, uh, horse ran very well and beat uh, at uh, Saratoga. It uh, was on a yielding turf. Horse hasn't gotten a uh, actually a firm turf, which is interesting. Um, and I, I just think a couple excuses in a field that looks to be wide open to me and, you know, in favorites that I'm not a fan of. I think this horse can outrun its odds and uh, might even has a decent shot of winning this race. And I think Fair Dinkum is um, going to be all but 12 to 1. I don't disagree with you. Like you said, my always, always my thing, guys, you know, is I don't talk you off a double digit horse on a horse that looks to be progressing. Like you said, it's never even gotten a fair uh a firm turf course but joe sharp has done very well shipping down to fairgrounds already this meet now has this horse coming in that looks to be kind of an outside uh, what seems to be an outside shot but the race looks to set up for a horse that doesn't want to be too far back so fair dinkum could be that horse in 12 to 1 is no you know that's at fairgrounds that's nothing to like kind of shed your eye share your eye away but the number nine rising empires who you both have in second patrick i'll just let you continue on Rising Empire, Brendan Walsh. This is the one horse that I really, really wanted to add in here, um, add in somewhere, and I just couldn't. I couldn't find the place, but what you like most about Rising Empire? Yeah, you know, this horse's last race, um, actually here at Fairgrounds, um, you know, kind of kind of walked the dog a little bit. It was, it was a slow race, um, but I, I just think for the competition this horse faced in the past uh, should be rising empire right in in this field um you know is very tactical um you know has one on the lead you know if this this could be the type of horse where um you know goes to the lead and tries to you know cut those fractions into something you know pretty slow um and you know brendan walsh is as good as they get on the turf too 
I mean, like we said, we see how he's good. He's how good he was in uh, the Kentucky circuit this entire year. He's been red hot, but um, this is just one of those horses again that can be towards the front in a race that not too many horses want to go towards the front. Rising Empire is that one horse that I really didn't want to leave off, but again, just couldn't really find the um, the place to put him in just because of that pace scenario, but. Brennan Walsh, Jareth Loveberry, who's been very good down at Fairgrounds this year as well. One to look out for. I went with the number 10. Actually, no, that's the number nine. Excuse me. Um, that's a different horse. I have obviously have the number nine in second. I get too many dang races for this week, but beatbox is who I have on top. And for Cherie DeVoe, Joel Rosario takes up the mount. Horse that's been running very well. A horse that ran very well at Keeneland. Um, just losing by a half length, the highest distinction granted at 25 to 1. But that backs up that 25 to 1 effort coming down to fairgrounds and an 80,000 optional um, N3X and does and only loses by two in a very cold pace. I don't think this horse necessarily wants to be on a lead on the lead, kind of just inherited up there with Rising Empire. And unfortunately, I can't show the replay, but it was them two down the wire the whole way. Kentucky Ghost, who was about was a few lengths behind uh, Rising Empire. Is a very good, another very good Kentucky turf horse. Obviously, hence the name. But um, I just think Beatbox could take a step forward in a race that you know does not necessarily going to have a cold pace, but it might need someone coming from kind of a stalking position. And the um, the outside winning winning post positions, guys. There's been 18 races um, at the tur- at the tur- um, Wow, the fairgrounds meet of the winter um and 10 of those winners have come from post seven or outside so over you know almost 60 percent of winners um going routing on the turf have been outside the seven hole so i'm and eight of those have been closing efforts so beatbox fits that narrative and i really like sharita devoe who's been again very good with her shippers coming down to fairgrounds after a really hot summer that she had so Gets Joel Rosario up, who ran at who ran him at Keeneland in the allowance hundred forty thousand. Everything kind of points to go with Beatbox, and it's six to one, which I'm hoping I get. Um, minimum, I would probably take us five to one on Beatbox, just because this horse, this race is so wide open. But if Joel can sit this horse in a really nice spot, Beatbox is going to be my pick on this card, but or on this race, excuse me. But the last horse I'm going to touch on before we move on, guys is the number four real quick johnny's fireball this is a horse that i feel like is getting a little bit disrespected this horse kind of can shifted back between dirt and turf norm cassie obviously who's in you know normal on the kentucky circuit and the new york circuit ships this one down to fairgrounds this is not a move you see too often from norm cassie but this horse was running really well on the turf granted under Luis size gets Raylu, which is i mean one of the best jockeys down there and obviously he's been he's very good in his own right i'm not too one for a jockey gymnastics, but another horse that's going to sit kind of, you know, first call to these leaders that if they don't want if they don't end up running out the full mile, uh, mile of 16, Johnny's fireball could be one at an upset to pick up the pieces, at least underneath. So Johnny's fireball will be someone that I'm trying to key on underneath. And Howard, this is the horse that I was trying to talk about was, you know, uh, the horse that I didn't want to leave off. So, um, 
real quick, Howard says, don't sleep on the seven in this race. New trainer with Mike Maker back and back numbers to boot. I mean, the back numbers are pretty easy to spot here, guys. You know, 98, 95, 96, 96, including in a great in the grade two Fort Lauderdale, only losing to City Man and Decorated Invader, two very nice turf horses in their own right, in on the mostly on the New York circuit. But Michael Huey, uh, Corey Lannery, Mike Maker, a horse that's gonna be coming from the back but not too far back, which is another one I like. Again, this is the one horse that I wanted to add in, but didn't necessarily have the room to. But Street Ready is definitely not out of it by any means. But, Charlie, you want to touch on one thing before we move on? Yeah, I mean, you kind of started to cover on it. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, most races, I just write my top three. This one, I only sent you my top three, but on my sheet, I have a fourth, and it was Street Ready. I'm actually happy that the boss man called it out because I saw the same thing. I mean, look, this horse has shown – ultra consistency with all those high 90s and then you know start to show a weird tail off and the fact that michael maker you know one of the most respected and successful trainers in the u.s decides to take this horse on for me doesn't shout okay this horse is on the decline i see that he sees potential in this horse and understands that he believes he can get street riding maybe not 100 percent back to those 96s but at least somewhere closer to that yep. form and as you touched on there's another horse where can be tactical, can kind of sit up there, and it's kind of dealt with plenty of hot paces. I think Street Ready could be another one that's just pressuring those early leaders uh, and could certainly be the one to get the first jump and make some noise at 10 to 1. And I don't know if you'll get that or not because other people might get excited about the Michael Maker thing too. But I think if you're getting anywhere at least 8 to 1, Street Ready is certainly a horse to consider at the very least if you're doing a pick 5, pick 6 ticket and you're trying to get a price. Um, yeah. And then as you were touching on with the 9, I think – we could also, on the more boring side of things, get set up for the most boring race of all time. Just have the 9 oh, yeah. and the 12 try to set the slowest fractions of all time together and then run off together. Uh, but yeah, whoever, can go, the like slower, the uh, whoever can go slower to the quarter, whether that's 25 or 26 seconds. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, the 9 and 12, we're going to be trying to walk them and say, hey, we're some old senior citizen horses. Take Let us take our time and ease into it. So I'm hoping from the entertainment side of things, some horses like the 7 will pressure them. But yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, all good points by any means. And Howard, to your point, no. But I appreciate you <laughs> joining in, man, greatly. And then Siggy Mendoza, th Siggy, thanks so much for doing the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Band of Gold is a horse in the six-horse field, untappable. There's just a few things I was writing in the chat, but I might as well answer while, before we move on. You know, there's a few questions I have about that race, and I'll move back here just for one second, guys. Uh, Band of Gold, this maiden win here. Off the turf, going, you know, I mean, going slow, just not really a, a horse that I think would kind of take to the turf. It almost seems like this horse is really grindy, um, kind of a dirt type of closer. If I go to pray for gold here, the siblings PPs never really have run on turf. There's been one horse that's run on turf, and that was the um, the one other horse by play for gold, which is coexist. First race, granted, um, ran an 11 buyer. I just didn't seem to me like, um, just like action wise that this horse is going to want turf, but obviously um, the full, the full point. Oh no, excuse me. Cause it's the last race. Sorry. I got my mind on this race, but there's just a few questions I have on that last race and might, she might stick too even too far back for me in this race where you're going to have the five and the six kind of battle it out when two very good quality um, maiden races under their belt as well. I'm not sure that they're going to completely, run each other out of steam. And if there's someone that I want to take looking from the back, it would be Alpine princess, but band of gold could certainly pick up the pieces if it's complete meltdown, but there's just a few questions that I have with band of gold. But again, Siggy, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Hopefully that answered your 
question. But guys, going to move on to the last two races here. The penultimate leg is the tenacious for going a mile and a 16th for three-year-olds and up with some very familiar faces in this spot as I switch over the PPs and the picks right now. Two of us are going with the number five, Patrick, or Pat number four, excuse me, stage raider, Patrick. That's mm. that's that's the man right there. I didn't think anyone was going to go with me, but Patrick's coming along for the ride. But Charlie's going with the number six, five-star general for Grant Forster and Marcelino Petroza Jr., morning line favorite. I mean, maybe he'll be the favorite come post time. I, he really has been bad uh, these last two. Pioneer Medina, Drew Cox, um, seven to two. Maybe connections alone. Dash Attack, your second choice for Kenny McPeak and David Cohen at four to one. And Happy American shares that as well at four to one. Guys, going to switch over here to the PPs. Charlie, you're going first, my friend. You're the mad. You're the odd man out picks wise. What'd you like most about the number six five star general? Um, so I hate to disappoint you. I'm not as creative as you thought I was, but those are my picks for the twelfth race. Um, well, for this race, uh, race eleven, I went eight one three. I mean, I could look at five. I mean, I guess for anybody who does like five star general, certainly the last race was uh, impressive. Uh, for me personally, I don't love. A pure speed horse. That's why I was yeah. a little more hesitant. That one's uh, my but... fault. I was going to give him crap, but it is my fault. So I You're apologize, good. people. So, you know what? You know, um, f- we're fine. We'll I'm, go I'm over. still different, though. It's okay. I have a different horse. You're fine. Yeah, you are still going a little bit off the rail here. I like, I have Brigadier General in second, and I could talk about why I like him the most. What would you like most about Brigadier General? Yeah, for me, what I just liked is the fact that obviously I'm normally hesitant against speed horses as I was touching on with the six. But what I see differently with the eight, now granted I have to trust Joel Rosario to actually get on with it, but I'm going to. I've picked a few horses that he's on now. Uh, for me, what I just like is whether it's a hot or a cold pace uh, for a speed horse, this horse has been able to stay right up on front and be productive. And, you know, I like the progression that we're seeing obviously earlier on in the career. You know, you see those mid-80s and you're like, okay, if that's where this horse peaks, that's fine. And then all of a sudden you start to see the dip into the high 70s and then the 50s and you're starting to wonder okay like is this horse over the hill like it'd be scary to be just four years old and already falling apart but obviously not every horse is going to have a long successful career but then seemingly flip the switch in august at indy gets that 84 then as we've touched on as an angle we always like here is when a horse runs a best figure back to back and i know the horse ran an 87 way back but if we're looking from recently recently that is a career best back to back for the recent racing and then freaks out with a 98 with tyler g and is able to dictate a reasonable pace puts up a 98 and shows that this horse seemingly has found its groove and is now back on the up and up and for me that's what i like i also think you know i don't mind the gate at all at the outside i think the horse can navigate over and kind of dictate the pace the distance doesn't worry me at all and uh, again as much as i like to mess with them i really do know deep down joel rosario is still one of the best in the business and i do think he can work out a really nice trip for this horse Look, and what I'll, the thing I'll point out, guys, is there's not a whole lot. There's there's some speed in a race in this race, but it's realistically coming from um, not dash attack, but dash attack doesn't necessarily want to be on the lead. Confidence game is fast, but again, his best races have come, come from off the pace, and they definitely haven't been recently. I'll tell you that much. Um, I'm uh, bag Nick, I'm assuming is how you say that. Um, definitely more of a stock closing type. Stage Raider is more of a stock type. Uh, Happy American's a deep closer. Five-star general will be your speed. Pioneer Medina's not slow, although, again, best races have not come on the lead. But Brigadier General is very fast. There's a, The one question mark I had was this horse ran it the, big, the biggest number by you know uh, 11 points, and it was in an off-the-turf race on the slop. So you can, you know, 
questions about the field, questions about the surface, but if Brigadier General runs anywhere near that with a race on the lead, I think Brigadier General could be that controlling speed towards the outside that could be um, a really good setup for Joel Rosario. But Patrick, my friend, you're going to tell us why we're right. I mean, Stage Raider came out of the Breeders' Cup dirt mile run the Clark, or, I mean, you could say barely run in the Clark. Oh, exactly, yeah. Um, but against, I mean, trademark first mission, this just seems like a, a pretty big step down from those types of races. And if he can run anywhere near the ACAC, I think a stage rate could be very tough. Yeah. And, you know, you hit on those two points, which I like. And I also, you know, I obviously it'd be hard to find, but like a stat with a horse coming out of a Breeders' Cup race and how they run, because it, it something tells me that the odds are not very good. You know, the Breeders' Cup takes a lot out of horses. And I think that's what kind of happened with uh, stage yeah. rate or, um, you know, obviously going against Cody's wish in the dirt mile. Um, I, I just think stage Raider is going to get a great setup uh, in yep. this spot and is going to sit a, is going to sit a great trip. Um, and if we could get five to one on this horse, Oh baby, uh, I'm going to be running to the bank for some more money to cash in here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Cause you know, the fact of the matter is in this race, um, no stage Raider, likes to go a little bit shorter this is this is a mile and a 16th the two-turn mile and a 16th you see this mile at churchill mile at, the mile at ellis is two turns so that 96 stands out to me in a race where you know sitting just off the pace beating horses like big blue line um just losing to zozos granted who came back to run nowhere in the breeders cup dirt mile about just as well as stage raider did but just seems like the drop of off of a very tough campaign that stage raider needs and i think sheree devoe is uh recognizing that puts bj back up on this horse that has been on for the entire campaign for sheree devoe i just think stage raider could really set a really nice setup as you said patrick and coming back can hopefully get back to those 96s off of a little bit of class relief but I'll let you finish out here, Patrick. You have the number one dash attack, who I actually could have swore that I had in third, but I guess not. I guess I went against myself. But dash attack looks to sit kind of that same spot um, off of, like I said, fairgrounds that's been really good to the inside horses. Yeah, and I think this is an interesting, uh, you know, McPeak sending this horse in this spot is kind of interesting. Um, you know, has faced, you know, tougher competition as well. Um Faced O'Connor twice in the last three races. Oh, but, uh, HHH Racing Podcast Legend O'Connor. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just think this horse. If this horse reverts back to those, you know, mid nineties and that mm -hmm. hundred uh, buyer in that in that uh, race at Churchill, this horse can run very big. Uh, and, yep. and you know, is it's going to be interesting to see what the odds are on these horses because I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit different than what the morning lines say. I don't disagree with you. It could be a little bit different. Dash attack might. I don't know if he'll get bet pretty low just based on last race. And, you know, McPeak's not the best shipping wise. But, um, I mean, setup wise, dash attack definitely fits. And it can run if he can run back to that 101, even mid 90s. Again, this is one horse that can get a little bit um, a lot better coming back off of a pretty tough campaign. But um, I'll go over the I'm fat, and there's not really too much to say about happy American guys. I mean, just deep closer always runs his race except the last time in the fight. But this, is a, this horse is actually also entered in the last race and the turf. I don't 
see why Happy American would get put on the turf, especially run ha- run Happy's really don't run at all on the turf. So it would be interesting to see where this goes. Obviously, keep an eye out on the scratches for that day or tune into uh, my Twitter at AP Roscoe K for those um, scratches. But Happy Americans just always coming late. Any type of pace run to run into, you know Happy American will be there at the end. Maybe not to win, but could be one to round out your exactas and trifectas, hopefully at a little bit better price. I think you might get a four to one. Charlie, let's finish up real quick. And Bagnick is your third choice is your third choice. Amador Sanchez coming from Delta Downs, but just an improving horse coming up that's come over from Chile and really has been uh, or Chile, excuse me, and just once fine once Amador kind of figured out this horse, I think where he likes to sit in the middle, he started to really improve. Yeah, for me, I just wanted to fade some of the other horses receiving money. I think Happy American, as you touched on, runs his race, but it's just always nowhere in the in the competition. Just has too much ground to make up at four to one. Don't like it. Pioneer Medina, I know a horse none of us really had anywhere to up. I think with Cox and Giroux is going to get bet down. I'm hoping those kinds of horses do. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping for your guys' sake and mine that, you know, the four, eight and one don't take too much money so we can all get the horses we like at more value. Uh, but in case that doesn't happen again, I just want to find a long shot to throw in there. And uh, as you mentioned, I just I like the improvement. You know, obviously, you don't really know much about the races that the horse ran in Chile. But, you know, obviously, with that 78 and six or 76 and 68, you're kind of, you know, nervous because that's nothing great. But then, as you mentioned, seemingly figured stuff out, runs in 85 and 88. And has shown that off the pace ability. And as you touched, I think now they kind of understand how to run this horse. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that the improvement continues. And, you know, at 12 to 1, if this horse, I think you'll get more of that. I think you'll get closer to 15, 16 to 1. If you can get that and this horse finishes somewhere underneath, could bring in some solid value. I don't disagree with you by any means. This is the horse that I would have, you know, to look your that kind of value play to look underneath. Um, you know, just connections-wise, this horse probably will not get bet. I think 10 to 1 is probably what you're looking at here. And for a horse that's finally figured out and on the improve, that's not going to be bet. Could be one to round out again your exactas and trifectas. But I'm going four eight five. Patrick's going four one seven, and Charlie's going eight one three. Guys, to the last race here, the race that has probably the feature, which has the most implications, of course, on the Kentucky Derby. In this, um, for obviously, this is the only race that has Kentucky Derby implications for the entire day. But I would argue the feature, the Gunrunner Stakes. For 100,000 going a mile on the 16th for two-year-olds, draws a field of eight guys. And there's some very big names headlined by one very big name, of course, and that being the number six, the morning line favorite, Nash for Florent Giroux and Brad Cox at seven to five. I don't even think you might, you might not even get that, realistically speaking. Switch over the picks. Two of us are going with Nash, but Patrick, my friend, going for number three, risk it, a horse that we really haven't seen too much of. Um, you guys since that wow, win. all right. But I I don't I I did and I took him out at the last second. But I'll talk about that once we get there. But what'd you like most about the number three risk it? You know, my thing with risk it is uh, the horse is going to have to improve. Uh, obviously, Ken with the connections and you know and stuff like that. But I just think that the setup is going to be the the key here. Um, Nash and Track Phantom the eight are gonna are both gonna go and the eights especially gonna go especially from the outside who is for Steve Asmussen. Um and I think that's what's gonna set up a problem for Nash. Uh and my thinking with this is just if Risket can find that you know settling spot um in second or third 
and not deal with the pace battle that should go on that I hope goes on. Cause if it doesn't, then I, I think we know who's going to win this race. Um, I think Riskit is going to be ready to run to uh, run on Saturday and should, should, like I said, sit this nice trip is, you know, the last race uh, in the uh, Kentucky jockey club at the, I mean, the horse in the backstretch was just steadying like yeah. multiple times. It was really weird. Um, and then, you know, you look two back, at Churchill, I, you know, I just it was not a good race. The horse does not run very well for what the horse should. But uh, the maiden debut at Saratoga was that, those were ones where you, you know you leave there at the end of summer and you're like that was a two year old. You have to yep. watch, and that's what that's what I'm, I'm hoping is going to deliver on Saturday. Um, but Nash is going to be a tough, tough competitor. Yeah, a tough customer. But Risk it was that horse for a lot of people that you know yeah. one of the one of the two year olds to watch coming out of that and just really hasn't shown. Like you said, excuse some excuses at on uh, the last in the Kentucky uh, Jockey Club, but I mean the Iroquois was just everyone expected him to win by you know pretty decent lengths and just never really picked up. Um, obviously, like you said, the last time could be your excuse to see some improvement, but just 79, 76, 78 does not get me excited at all for risk. And I had him in third, took him out at, at the last time for Sneed. The one thing I will say that risk it might have going for him is um like as I, i've said it the entire day but the inside has been super 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 good um these dirt routes um there's been 34 races um going um two turns at fairgrounds this entire meet you want to guess how many have won from the inside three draws 22 wow. that's 22 for 34 that's that's a 65 percent is what it is so i mean that's when you see stuff like that trying to coming mm-hmm. to materialize, that's you just do not want to be wide on that first turn. Is basically what it comes down to. So if Nash is going to want, he's going to want to be get clear and get to the inside. But Charlie, coming to you now, Nat, I mean, I think he will. He's just there's some other horses that are fast out of the gate, i.e., next level, um, and risk gets also fast. But I don't think they're no, I don't think they're near as fast. As Nash is out of the gate, we saw it that last time out at Churchill. People always, you know, it's like, you know, questioning the field and all that. People are still obviously questioning Nash's legitimacy, but two times out, winning by 10 and a quarter, getting a 97 buy in your second start. You know, usually you see that out of someone like Bob Baffert on the West Coast, but the fact that Brad Cox has this horse running 97s in uh, the two year old winter, it, it definitely raises some eyebrows and definitely. Uh, the horse to be in this race. I think Nash is a very dangerous horse that a lot of people are going to be paying attention to in bigger races than this going forward. Uh, for me, I mean, look, just absolutely, as you mentioned, flew away, ran a very respectable second on debut uh, over at Keeneland. But look, as you mentioned, you know, Cox isn't known for ramping his horses up or trying to get them work crazy or go freak run, especially more on the e- like, you know, in the Midwest or East compared to the West Coast. And yet this horse is naturally working, you know, a minute flat, 48 flat. So this horse is naturally already working forwardly. Again, when I watched the replay, I mean, it didn't look like, I mean, it says in the comments too, and it's true. Florence Giroux was not asking Nash to do anything. He was not working this horse. Yeah. It was not one of those, you know, where you see a horse when where the commentators, like they're like the wasn't driven making out. the horse yeah. run up the score. Right. They were not trying to make it look prettier. If they wanted to, I think Nash could have won by at least another four or five lengths. They just let Nash do his thing, and he just absolutely dominated. And it looked graceful, effortless. He had plenty in the tank. I think this is a very dangerous horse that we're going to be paying attention to for the, you know, the Derby Trail going forward. For me, it was just 
a one horse race. I, I don't think it's a weak field. I think the seven yep. and eight to the outside are interesting. And I did consider Pat because I know you were curious that we had the horse nowhere. This was the other race that we covered where I had four horses written down. And I know it's kind of weird to have four out of eight, but still, I just thought risk it was too good to not mention as a possible contender. Ultimately, I think Nash is in a tier of, it, of his own. And I think the three, seven, eight are kind of the other three. Uh, Track Phantom, obviously, another one who broke out pretty well. Uh, you know, it was respectable figures and then just was able to, again, effortlessly go away. The only thing for me was it, uh, you know, kind of looked more like they were trying to get this one to kick away and, you know, was able to kind of get up to that four lengths and then just sat there, which there's nothing wrong with. I just think, again, the late kick we saw from Nash without being asked, I just think is unmatched. Uh, again, I think Trek Phantom will try to be difficult, but I think even if Trek Phantom is able to get on the lead, I think if Nash sits right next to right next to him, I think Nash will still have plenty more in the tank to go right by. Uh, and then last, I will touch on Sneed, you know, gets yep. Jareth Loveberry and was very impressive last time. I think this is the wild card horse in this race. I understand the figures are a little lighter. I mean, still an 80 is nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, but for me, the one reason why I'm really interested in this horse is if you want to talk about a horse that truly will want to be like a stalker closer and could kind of take advantage of a pace meltdown. For me, Sneed is the one who clearly sticks out. I think Jareth Loveberry, you see last time, was able to navigate that trip, was like four lengths off the lead, was not far back, but was still showed the ability to rate, went right by him and then just flew away. And another one, that was one that was able to kind of just do it pretty effortlessly, too. So, again, I think. Uh, you know, obviously love whenever it's a Brendan Walsh trainee. Again, yeah. I think Nash is the obvious winner. But again, if there's a pace meltdown, I think Snead is the one that takes advantage of it. Yeah, look, and that's the thing, right? Is my thing was why I didn't have risk it in there is because if there's a hot, if the, a pace materializes in here, maybe Nash is, you know, doesn't get out of the gate as fast as he's shown last time out and kind of run, you know, it's three to the first turn. Snead's the horse that I'm going to look to to pick up the pieces. And just a very nice improving three-year-old for Brendan Walsh, who really doesn't get them cranked out first time, was turf-oriented, then went to the dirt, uh, and then off the turf race, basically ran himself into that next step at fairgrounds in the optional 100, and just absolutely ran up the score in that race. So getting Jareth back on this horse, getting that set up, could be the means for Snead to come over the top in a race like this. But of course, he's going to have to do it against some pretty steep competition. I'm going six, eight, seven. Patrick's going three, six, eight. Charlie's going six, eight, seven as well. Guys, best bets real quick. Then we'll end the show again. Thank you guys so much for joining in. Greatly appreciate it. If you haven't already, please like the video and subscribe down below. It's the best way to support our channel. And again, happy holidays to everybody. We'd really appreciate if you could do that for us patrick you're going first here my friend race number eight double six ten with six and giving a late pick three here two nine ten eleven with one four with singling risk it you gotta love the balls on this man patrick talk about your best bets yeah so the double um you know it's uh that's the turf sprint private creed and the 10 evan sing um front end there you know i i was thinking about singling private creed but i you know, these turf sprints kind of fool me sometimes. So yep. I'd like to have a little backup with the second choice, Evan Singh. And then I have the um, six in the ninth race, who I believe is the West Omaha for Brad Cox. Yep. And then my pick three. Uh, so here's my thinking with my pick three. Um, you know, I have in pretty the first two legs, I have pretty much all the favorites covered up, um, you know, and then. I'm going to close with risk it, but I'm going to play some backups obviously with the six Nash, because I, I just think this obviously will pay much more obvious if the three risk it wins. I mean, I'd like to have that covered, but as well, I'll, you know, I'll press up a little bit if I have to with Nash, um, depending on, you know, 
payouts and stuff like that. But I, this is a, this is you know we covered six fun races, so this is yeah. gonna be uh, this is gonna be a really good card on Saturday. So I'm excited as a little appetizer to our uh, you know football Sunday and Monday and whatever all the holiday games we got going. Damn right, man. Good luck on your best bets. Love the construction again, singling that five to one that could really boost up that ticket price. Good luck with your best bets, Patrick, Charlie. Exacta. Wait, no, I didn't. Did I change? Did, is that right? I feel like that's not right. Um, it was a, no, it was, uh, a, I, it was right. a daily double race. Yeah, I got uh, it now. Race seven and eight, and then an exact on the twelfth. It didn't say, but Charlie, you're going race number seven, a double three five with six, and then an exacta uh, in the twelfth race six seven over eight. Charlie, talk about your best bets. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately for me, as we kind of touched on earlier, I think we all kind of agreed like private Creed just looks so, so talented and uh, is all is so consistent, got a nice gate, should get a good trip. However, the race develops. Uh, so for me, wanted to be able to play into that horse uh, since I'm a little less confident about race nine and I don't think there'll be much value. I decided to play into private Creed. And, you know, as we kind of touched on earlier with race seven, uh, I know Helena's forte looks very tough. Uh, but again, I just didn't want to leave out twirl around the horse just really convinced me after that replay i couldn't stop watching it so i put those two playing into private creed and then the last race again i think it's a one horse race with nash wanted to play into the seven and eight simply because i think the eight is the clear second best horse for me uh but in case track phantom sort of gets tired out from trying to keep up with nash i think sneed would be the one to pick up the pieces so i wanted to have the opportunity to play either of those horses in underneath so those are my two best bets and there, sorry about that there it is on the screen for you guys but yeah i mean look you're seeing you're te- talking if nash goes by himself or if uh, the pace melts down and Snee gets up, you're talking track Phantom for second, whether Nash gets run out or he keeps up the entire way. So I love that construction. And, of course, the double three, five with six. You know me with doubles. I love it. Good luck with your best bets, Charlie. My best bets, I'm seeing, I'm centering on the last three races here. And that I know the race is wide open, but no matter the reason I'm taking my best bet in that race, because no matter where you look, you're going to get the price you want. And on the number 10 beatbox, I'm willing to go let uh, as low as five to one. But I mean, I can see this horse even being seven, eight to one. And the fact that this horse is going to have to come over from the 10 hole might even help the price a little more. This horse, you know, the buyers don't jump out, but they're consistent from the synthetic at Turfway in the winter coming back two off the both off the layoff. That 94 was off a off of a um, six month layoff. Now, third off the layoff for Cherie DeVoe, who's been very good shipping her horses um this winter down to fairgrounds i love beatbox and i think you'll get a really nice price five to one is what i'm gonna look for there and i'm not getting too cute guys gonna really hammer this double in the late here late stages i'm going with number four stage raider which is our top pick patrick and the number eight brigadier general who i believe was charlie's top pick in that race as well with nash single i just think nash is extremely fast and way faster than a lot of these horses and um well, the only the I don't think the pace will melt down, being that the inside's been so good. Track fandom going to try to track from the outside, no pun intended, but probably just not good enough for me. So I'm gonna go four eight with six there. But guys, thanks. We've covered really nice races and some really fun races in um, this card at fairgrounds and all stakes late pick six. Um, like I said on Saturday, not to mention tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time, the flagship show. We'll be covering tomorrow, Thursday, of course, um, if you're watching this on Wednesday, the day of the stream. Tomorrow, Thursday, the flagship show will be covering the late pick five at Gulfstream Park, which includes the top Tropical Tar- Park Derby and the Tropical Oaks. So please be on the lookout 
for that show as well. And again, if you haven't, please like the video and smash the like button, guys. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. But for my co-hosts, Patrick Kunsel and Charlie Freeman, this has been episode. Uh, this has been your host, Kyle Roscoe, in episode number 53 of Betting and Boozing on the HHH Racing Podcast. Until next time, everybody, crush those bets, win those photos, and stay safe. Have a good night.